All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Friday, March 24th of 2023 here. Uh, looking ahead to the weekend, playing DFS action coming at you today. As well as over the weekend, we got a 10-game NBA slate today as well as a three-game hockey slate. I know that there is uh, still golf going on for anybody, you know, playing some golf this weekend. Good luck to you. Uh, good luck for the, uh, you know, inevitable uh, Sunday finish. I know we have XFL, MMA tomorrow. Uh, we got NASCAR on Sunday. I'm not sure if we have F1 this week. But anyways, just tons of DFS action. Great time to be playing DFS. Uh, for those of you who are new here, Welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. It's a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You can post questions live in the YouTube chat or in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, there's a link in the description below, as well as a link to a no-strings-attached seven-day free trial. Check us out. Uh, get your questions answered on this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. But that being said, going to get the app pulled up here. Uh, we do have two questions to get us going here. And if anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. As always, <clears throat> first question here from Simple Chef. Question says, hey, awesome people. Have any of you figured out a way slash formula to sort your lineups inside or out of Sabre that maximizes your uniques but still keeps the best EV lineups? Not sure if that question even makes sense. Point is, I keep seeing winning lineups in the 5K pool that were built from my decisions on adjusted projections and ownership, but I can never get them to show up in my played lineups. I typically play several 20 max entries and sometimes max enter 150. Thanks in advance. So I think this is a good question. Uh, it does come up from time to time. So I think that, you know, First and foremost, the more lineups you can play, the better, right? If you are playing, let's say, you know, you're you're playing a handful of 20 maxes, right? So let's say that's like five. So you're playing five 20 max contests. That's 100 entries. And then let's say you are maxing the like 50 cent uh, mini max on, on, um, on DraftKings, right? So that's 250 entries total. Let's do the math right here. So 250 entries. And then you're playing, you know, five, you're building a pool of 5,000, right? Hold on, I messed up my math. 250 divided by 5,000. Uh, that's about a 5% chance, or you're playing about 5% of your pool. So out of your entire pool of lineups, you are playing uh, only 5% of that. So that means that, you know, you basically have a 5% chance of playing any any lineup in your in your set. So, so it would take you, you know, 20 days to cycle through that and, and play like every lineup in, in theory, right? Uh, you would have to play out every slate 20 times to eventually play every lineup in your pool, right? So like the best thing that you can do is if you have a strong pool, you have winning lineups in your pool, uh, increase this number, right? Maybe you play, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you like they run the dime times like all day. They are just constantly sitting there, uh, reopening the dime times reopening the dime times like keep your ears to the ground i know that they run multiple of the 50 cent mini maxes so it so you know best thing you can do play more entries like first and foremost right aside from that um you know basically when you are increasing mini uniques here 
uh, what what you are doing is you are sacrificing EV for diversification. I think that you know the the comment you made here uh, is is a little bit like uh, fighting against itself in in that way, right? Uh, you know the the highest EV lineups are gonna like take your top EV lineup and then be like one for ones off that, right? Like one for one swaps, keeping all of those strong components of the lineup that are creating that EV together and and not diversifying so much, right? But that leads to a very boomer bust strategy that is very uh, high risk and, and probably uh, gonna gonna lead to like very high uh, swings in your bankroll, a lot of huge ups and downs, right? So in order to combat that, that's why we preach diversification, uh, gonna be, uh, you know, a, a trade-off there for sure. We think that, you know, the trade-off that you're, that the benefit you get from diversification is worth the EV trade-off ultimately. So that that is what we try to do here in the app. I am very positive that there are uh, users and DFS players in the ecosystem, even in the Saberson ecosystem, who are taking their pool of lineups, you know, downloading it and, have processes outside of SaberSim that um, help them get to these decisions. Uh, I don't. I don't know what those processes are. I do all of my work inside of the app, so you know, not not the right person to to you know talk about outside processes. But I know there are people who indeed do that. So I think you know, posting it in the Discord. Uh, hoping somebody responds with with some thoughts is probably the best option for you. Uh, did want to give some of my thoughts here. But, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, if we knew what lineups were going to score the highest, uh, we would put those in the top of your, top of your pool, right? Uh, that's what we try to do. That's, that's why we just re, um, factored Saber score. We went from Saber score to Saber score 2.0 with all these different options, just trying to help users get more of the best lineups to the top of their pool for the different types of contests that they're playing. I, I would say if you are tracking changes that you are making, which you mentioned here, uh, you know, you're making good changes to projections, to ownership, et cetera. If you are making that, those changes, and you're not getting those plays and they're continually or repeatedly doing good, uh, just come in here and increase the min exposure. You know, if there's, let's say that you um, boost somebody like Luca and then you're not getting to any Luca, like just, just come in here and, and add a min exposure, right? And get some, get some lineups with Luca. You know, we have these pool of lineups for a reason. It allows for flexibility. You don't have to play just the first top lineups that are generated. So I would just go and get to some of those pieces that you are looking for, especially if uh, you, you have sound research and have continually been seeing good results uh, with those players specifically. But good question. All right. Next question from Kay Mason here. Kay Mason said, uh, what are realistic ROI expectations if you're playing a wide range of contests with most of your entries coming in mid-size contests? Looks like Shady responded here. And uh, Shady said, this is almost entirely a function of the field you're playing against. And that mostly correlates with the stakes those entries are at, which I, I heavily agree with. And then um, Kay Mason followed up saying, I've changed my contest selection recently. And I'm only playing contests with less than 5K players. Everything for single entry 3 max and 20 max from the dime times up to the $5 single entry. Previously, I was playing the huge field and one and the and one and jukebox contests 
Also playing Satellites Daily, mostly $1 and under, uh, with some $3 mixed in right now. Since the beginning of the year, I have just over 10K entries with an ROI of 15% and just wondering what's a realistic range. Shady said 15% is great, and then uh, K Mason responded, Thanks. Uh, for, for those of you who uh, may not be aware, uh, Top DFS Pro Utical was recently on an ETR interview podcast. I was just listening to it actually earlier this morning. And, uh, you know, um, they asked him about, you know, realistic ROI expectations. And one of the questions was, uh, if you were starting over and you only had $1,000, you know, what would you do, right? And basically, you know, you, you just said uh, he would play all of the low stakes and he would uh, try and, you know, not play any Millie Makers and not play anything where the Sharks are and just grind it out and that, you know, he said at the at the top, you know, pro level, if you're if you're getting a five percent ROI, that's awesome. If you're getting a ten percent ROI, that's that's great. That's that's uh, huge at 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 like the very top ends of the DFS, you know, nosebleed stakes. And then he said, you know, for for uh, for lower stakes, you know, he could see players having anywhere from you know ten percent to to fifty percent if they are that good and they are just. Uh, mopping up the competition and uh, doing doing really good. So, uh, like I said, uh, or like like Shady said, you know, I think fifteen percent is great. I think that those are solid results. I think your contest selection is really good. Uh, very important to have strong contest selection and uh, find contests where players are ultimately worse than you. So, uh, good good feedback. If, if anybody's interested in listening to that podcast, I would uh, go and check it out. Yuta is a very interesting. Persian uh, got to got to meet him and talk to him a little bit at the DK Live Final in Denver. All right, hopping over to the YouTube chat. There's one question in the YouTube chat. Uh, if anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. But Stephen Jones said, uh, "I literally just signed up for a trial maybe 30 minutes ago, so this is probably a new question. Is there a way to import lineups I've made on my own and drop them into SaberSim to adjust slash edit?" So. If you want to um, import lineups, what I would do is uh, you could do it from this entry screen. Uh, let me get let me get let me enter a contest so I could pull this up here. So usually, if we like need a CSV, I'll just go and enter one of the free uh, NBA contests for today, and then we can uh, have something to work with. But basically, you you can do what you are saying. So, all right, I have a CSV now. Going to download the template file. Pull this in, and so this would be like my entries file, and I believe under this lineups button here, you can upload lineups, and um, from there you can uh, work with them. I actually haven't used it too much. I know some users do actively actively use this, and uh, um, I, I don't know what those processes look like. But if you need to upload lineups specifically, you can do it here. If you have a contest CSV that you want to upload, then you can upload that in the new entries tab. Uh, but but one of these two options will be your best friend. So uh, try them both out and see what is the better option for you for what you're trying to do specifically. All right. Uh, next question said, how do I know or have an idea of who to fade and who, who to keep uh, for a GPP? So I would say probably like run a run a test build or run a research build. Uh, a test build is something that we refer to as like just like a 
like a default build, a standard build, you know, standard settings, uh, no adjustments. I made two adjustments here because DraftKings, uh, one of the guidelines is like you have to make two adjustments uh, prior to uh, submitting your lineup. So you can either do that in the home screen or in the post build. The problem with the post build is that you have to do it every single time. So I usually just make two small adjustments in the home screen and then run my lineups here. And then uh, come into your post build, right? Run your lineups. Open up your number of lineups to the entire number of your pool. So whatever your pool number says, uh, you're basically wanting to look at your entire pool here and not just at the um, top 20 lineups, right? So bigger sample size here with 500 lineups. And then see who the top uh, leverage plays are. You can start by leverage here. Uh, these are the plays that Saber Sim likes the most. And, uh, you know, that's why they're going to have positive leverage. You can see who Sabersome likes the least and look at negative leverage. I would be, um, I would be just like aware, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting here how, um, Svi, uh, I, I really don't know how to pronounce this, uh, Svi M here from Charlotte at, at Ben Price. He's our highest negative leverage play, but he's also our highest exposed play, right? So I think like that is really interesting. Um, and and I, I, I frankly, I don't know how I would handle that myself. I think from there, I would probably like, okay, you know, how much of him do I have in the top 10% of my pool? And I, and, and I get to a little bit positive leverage there. So not really sure I would handle that. But but this is ways to kind of get some feedback from Sabersim about, you know, uh, what it thinks. You know, look at the top own plays, you know. Who are the top own plays that we think are not worth playing, we think are worth playing, you know. Uh, so I think, you know, a combination of looking at ownership, looking at value, I think value is good too, looking at exposure, and then looking at positive and negative leverage are ways for you to get an idea of how Sabersim feels about a slate here. So that is like our uh, default build, our test build option. And then another option that we, we talk about is what we call a research build, where basically uh, you turn correlation off and you turn sim diversity up. You can do this two ways on a big 10 game NBA slate. I like to do this on sim diversity nine. So basically what correlation does is it, um, is it, is it impacts the projections that ultimately get pulled from our Sims when we randomly sample our sim database. So we want to turn that effect off and then we want to take small buckets of Sims to try and analyze uh, quote unquote, like optimals. If you wanted to do true slate optimals, you did that on Sim Diversity 10. The reason I advocate against it in this situation is because you don't, you're not going to need an optimal to win this contest, right? Uh, you're just going to, you know, you're going to need the winning lineup. You're not going to need the highest scoring optimal lineup. So in a sport like, you know, MMA or, or NASCAR or NFL showdown, you probably do need an optimal. So in that case, I would always build on Sim Diversity 10. But in this case, I do not expect to need an optimal here. So I'm going to take small, the smallest buckets of Sims we can, which is on Sim Diversity 9, and then draw conclusions from there. So no correlation, small buckets of Sims at Sim Diversity 9 uh, is another way of analyzing a slate from a research perspective and then drawing conclusions from there. So we saw what we thought uh, were like the highest leverage plays, the highest uh, negative leverage plays, the highest exposed plays, et cetera, in that last build. And then I'm going to do the same exact thing for this research build. 
So um, our guy Sfi here is is less negative leverage in this research build as opposed to the last one. So he is no longer our highest negative leverage plays. Uh, there are some other people way ahead of him here. So that's that's encouraging news from you know trying to figure out how to handle uh, his situation. Still the highest exposed play actually far and away now, but you know still pretty close to his ownership here. Uh, we actually like Dennis Smith Jr. a little less. So seemed like in that last example, we were kind of taking a little more of a stand on Dennis Smith Jr. And uh, being a little under on Svi here, we're like pretty close to even on both of them in our entire pool. And then if we were to look at like the top 10% of our pool, um, pretty even on Svi. And then we're still liking Dennis Smith Jr. So Dennis Smith Jr. seems like a solid play. It looks like uh, Charlotte is going to be uh, very chalky today with many players out. So that, that should be a popular spot for a lot of people to flock to. But really good question there. Um, question here from Eagles in the Discord. Uh, Eagles said, will Jordan be doing primer for baseball next week? So we should have some MLB content coming out over the next week. Excuse me. Um, I know that the slate is on Thursday. Hold on. Excuse me, had a sneeze there. Um, I know that baseball uh, starts next Thursday, March 30th. So it uh, should be a fun, fun week leading up to it. We should have some baseball content out prior to that. So more news to come on that probably Monday. But I, I've, I've been talking with the team internally, and that content is on the way. All right. Uh, a lot of good questions so far. Uh, viewer count is up. What is going on, everybody? Uh, th those were our last questions. If anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. I'm going to pull up the NBA injury report. A uh, big 10-game slate. You know, we're already seeing all of this Charlotte value. So it should be plenty to talk about uh, while we wait for more questions to roll in here. So if anybody has any questions, get them in while we review the NBA injury report. Uh, looking ahead here, uh, some big names, questionable Zach Collins, Devin Vassell Spurs have been doing this like really weird thing lately uh, where like they're like sitting half their team and then they have like another half play. So it's like some days Trey Jones and Devonte Graham are in and then like the next game they're out, but then Keldon Johnson is in and then somebody else is out. It's been like a really weird dynamic with the Spurs, uh, but there's a chance that, you know, they're, they're pretty healthy today. Overall Graham Johnson, Trey Jones all in, uh, Zach Collins being out would open up the door for somebody like Mamu to come in and play. And then uh, Devin Vassell being uh, questionable is also probably pretty important here. And then aside from that, uh, Halliburton has continuously been sitting here. Uh, he opens up value on Indy every time he sits. So important news. This should all come out before lock here. Uh, Toronto, Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent both missed last game. I think and Precious Achiwa did as well to a lesser extent, but uh, some important names to be aware of. I think Will Barton got the start and was super chalky at like 60% and then did not play well, got like nine points. So be on the lookout for whatever happens in Toronto here. Uh, scrolling down, uh, Charlotte's probably the big ne next big name here. 
not a lot of questionables overall. I mean, it seems like most of their news is out at this point. Kelly Oubre is the only piece of news still remaining. We'll, we will see who is indeed out and who is in. But Kyrie and Tim Hardaway, also important here. Uh, I, I was really surprised that Luca came back and played almost like 40 minutes last game. Uh, no kind of minutes limit or restriction. He was, you know, first game back from like a pretty lengthy absence with his like thigh contusion. I also thought he had like an ankle injury for a little bit there. So usually like those lower body injuries, we'll see some, um, some like minutes management, some minutes limits, but Lucas seemed to be like pretty full go last game. And we could just check really quickly here uh, and, and see how many minutes he did play, but it was like a tight game with golden state uh he played 41 minutes in his first game back so he seems to be you know no uh like like they're not holding him back they're not easing him back from injury so he seems full go so that's like an encouraging sign for playing him going forward and then scrolling down in this late window joel and b james harden questionable that's obviously huge uh demar Derozan questionable another big name there uh nurkic you know Eubanks and, and Watford usually like kind of share responsibilities when he's out, but hasn't been uh haven't been like super huge producers. Uh they split a lot of time. And then Shy being questionable is big. I saw like a quote that Shy said uh he could play Friday. It's kind of up to the coaches to determine, you know, if they indeed want to let him play or not. But I, I would be keeping a lot of this late news in mind here. Uh, it's a, it's a big slate. There are a lot of games here. You know, all these games are on like the later half of the slate. We had the, uh, Charlotte Dallas stuff. We had the Philly stuff. We have, uh, DeMar DeRozan. We have Nurkic. We have shy. So that's all kind of in the back half of the slate here. So try and keep those things in mind. Hopefully some of that news, uh, comes out prior to lock. Hopefully some of it doesn't. And, uh, Oh, it looks like Damian Lillard just got ruled questionable and Nurkic just got ruled doubtful here so now Lillard is questionable uh even even more reason to to keep late swap in mind as the day goes on here so going to be a really interesting slate actually taking it off got 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 things to do uh and and I'm not going to be able to optimize for this late swap stuff unfortunately but you know I think that's a great example if you're if you're busy you know you're not going to be around uh you know you're not going to be able to pay attention to the news, take advantage of those opportunities. Probably best to just take a slate off, maybe try and play one of like the turbo slates. If they have it, you know, they have this seven 30 and eight 30 turbo slates. Uh, you know, maybe skip the main, skip the night and just play some turbos, play some showdowns. Uh, there's always a lot of options, a lot of different ways you can go. It is totally okay to take nights off. All right. Scrolling through here, uh, looking for out players, Beal and Kuzma, I believe were out last game. So nothing new particularly there Detroit guys have been out um Milwaukee not 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 any like huge names Middleton's out I think Middleton Middleton has been out oh Mark Cannon's out today so this is one I was not aware of so Clarkson's still out Mark Cannon is out Sexton is out uh Utah was like a big value spot last time this happened I think two games ago for Utah so uh you know be on the lookout for like some Utah value. Aiton has been out. Jeremy Grant's been out. Anthony Simons has been out here. And then it looks like Terry Rozier, doubtful, not, or, you know, probably not going to play here. 
Mark Williams is back. This is first game back. So should be interesting slate. A lot of value out there. A lot of news still pending. A lot of value could still open up. That is how NBA gets toward the end of the season here. So I just want to give you guys some ideas, some uh, a little rundown of the NBA injury report, things to keep your eye on, things to look into further as the day goes on. But it looks like we got a couple questions here. So going to hop back to the app and get right back to it. All right. Uh, question from Mark. Mark said, I'm glad baseball is coming. I'm sick of losing all my money to NHL. <laughs> uh, baseball, baseball is a fun time. And, uh, you know, it is nice to get away from some of like all of the late swap news. Um, NHL is like another high correlation sport. But, um, but yeah, so uh, looking ahead to baseball myself. Very excited. All right. 2G2 Great said, I saw um, AP and Jordan's video yesterday. I saw that he used uh, 07 sim build after you do your added projections. What number correlation do you feel you should use along with the sim number as far as MBA? So I, I usually just stick with the defaults. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't catch the show. I'm not sure exactly what they were doing, but I think that, you know, our defaults are really good. And then I think uh, those defaults, you know, we, we refactored uh, some of these or the sliders basically with the Saber score 2.0 update because we got rid of the ownership fade slider. Uh, we went back and looked at all of the correlation and SIM diversity settings for all of the contests, entry limits and number of entrants and wanted that to just work very seamlessly with the Saber score 2.0 metrics. So I, I'm very confident in the sliders. I'm not really adjusting them. Uh, aside from like NHL where I said I'm forcing a correlation stack rule. So I'm lowering correlation, but I think like in NBA, especially I'm, I'm really not touching it. Uh, just remember that, you know, this correlation slider is always going to affect the highest absolute number here. So, so in basketball, you, you know, usually the positive correlations are less than the negative correlations. So in, in, so what the correlation slider is doing is keeping the negatively correlated players out of the lineups more than anything else. So that, that is what the correlation slider is doing. I think that, you know, that is a uh, good thing to have rather than set a hard and fast rule that says, you know, don't use any two players over 40-point projection from the same team. Uh, you know, there, there are probably a small number of times where that is okay, you know. And some two players that come to mind are usually like Luke and Kyrie here, right? If you go in and look at their correlations – uh, Kyrie's correlation to Luca is negative 0.15 and the highest positive correlation Luca has is 0.02. So they are just very negatively correlated and that is being captured in the sim here. And what we are doing when this correlation slider is active is basically taxing the times where they are um, in a lineup together and, and, and keeping those times apart. But there are going to be sims where they overcome that negative correlation and they both get there, right? And th that's going to be a small number of times. But by allowing the correlation slider to handle that, you're allowing for some of the nuance, for some of the exceptions to the rule. So that is why I do not like setting those hard and fast rules and letting those times come up as they come up in the Sims. But good question there. All right. Uh, Duck21 says, is there a way to set a filter where I only want lineups with players that show up 10% or more of the time in my player pool is that good practice. So this interesting question. Um, I, I do think there's something to be said about, you know, how often a player comes up 
in your player pool, like in your pool of lineups, you know, that just means that there were more instances of that player doing good across our entire sample that we pulled from the same database. Uh, I, I think that 10% might be like a little high. Something that I've always been like aware of is, you know, am I including like the one sim where a player did good? I, I think this is a great example. Like this Johnny Davis uh, exposure here. We have one lineup with Johnny Davis. We have two lineups with him in our entire pool. And it just so happens that we got, you know, one of the two times where he was um, where he was in the lineup, right? Uh, it, it's such a small number in the pool. I don't have any problem, you know, just coming in and zeroing this max exposure and and not playing him. I think that's totally fine. Uh, but but for some of these other plays, you know, as this pool number starts to creep up, uh, depending on the number of lineups that they're in, I'm usually okay with it here. So, I mean, you know, John Morant, um, second game back, you know, had his minutes managed in the last game, you know, comes up in eight, eight lineups in our entire pool. Uh, we have two lineups with him. Am I okay with that play? Uh, yeah, I kind of am, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, you know, playing John Morant. I'm okay with playing Malik Monk, you know, but I, but I think that, you know, I'm more concerned about like these really low, low pool percents, 1%, you know, less than 1%, 2%, maybe, um, but I, I, I think 10% is like kind of high here. I think that you're going to be like severely limiting your player pool. I think there are plenty of options, plenty of players that come up, you know, less than 10%. So, um, that, that is how I would analyze it. Uh, I, I'll leave the determination up to you about it. All right. Uncrabby Cabby said, Hey Andrew, will there be any updated videos for MLB with new features and which ones do you suggest to get primed? For the upcoming season. So yes, there will be uh, new videos. Uh, there, We should have something out early next week is my understanding. Definitely before Thursday. So be on the lookout for it. I know that uh, Jordan is working hard behind the scenes. And uh, should have something good for you guys. He always does. All right. 2 g too great said they, they ran a 0-1 to see how everyone... Uh, lines will look with a basic optimizer and then see what a player are showing up the most. And then they ran a zero seven build after they change the projections to certain players. Okay. Got it. So, so yeah, so basically what they are uh, trying to do is, you know, when, when Saber Sim is on zero, zero settings, what we are doing is we are now not bucketing the Sims. We are using the average mean projection from a player across a group of Sim across the entire Sim database here. So, you know, Luca's projection when we go to build at 00, zero settings is indeed 56.89, what you see here in the app. Um, that is basically what they're trying to do. They're trying to mimic a traditional optimizer that is optimizing based on the mean projection as opposed to sampling the, the sims and, uh, you know, taking uh, random buckets. So, so. I, I do know the premise. I do know what they're trying to do there. I think it's intuitive. I think it makes a lot of sense. You'll be able to see how uh, players fit into lineups from like a, a point per dollar value, right? Sometimes you're going to see these like, uh, you know, so, so like, like they're not, they're not huge value, but there's some value, but they just fit into lineups really well. And they make the lineups work really well from a projected score point of view. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get some insight into the field and then they're trying to compare that to what Sabersim is doing on the other side. So that that is kind of the premise there. 
Um, I think it can make some sense. So if you're interested in running like a cash build as a research uh, metric or mechanism, I, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Uh, Duck said, uh, very good advice. Thank you very much. Today we have a lot of injury news for games after lock. What is the best practice for limiting my exposure on the early games so I get swapped to later value? Uh, this is a really good question. So honestly, the best thing to do, this is a great time to take advantage of rules. Uh, what I would do is I would set some type of rule here to just use so many players from like the last game of the night just as placeholders basically. So what I would do is do like a group automatic rule and then say, you know, use at least uh, – We'll say at least four, so at least half of your lineup is is saved. And then I'm going to group by uh, game here. And then I am just going to uh, save this as a manual rule. So it's going to create 10 rules for 10 games. And then what I would do is I would just go in and uncheck all these other ones. Uh, there's, there's probably different ways to do this, but this is just one way that I could think of uh, really quickly here. So basically what I'm saying is use at least four or more players from the OKC Lakers game, um, best practice is probably just pick the latest game of the night and let that game, you know, be where all of your salary and all of your positions are are saved. Uh, we are going to naturally use players in later games in your utility spots, your guard spots, your flex spots, or your your forward spots. So it will also save, you know players in like those uh positions as well so i would just set a rule like this and then build your lineups accordingly make any adjustments and then as the news comes out as the slate goes on you could do two things right so like say at this four o'clock window um you leave the rule on the 4 30 window you leave the rule on you get some news here right but there's still some news pending maybe you drop this to like three right and then you come in and you adjust this rule and then you say use at least three uh one note on that once you change the metrics of the rule it will not automatically change the name so you would have to like go in here and change the name or just know that the rule is different than the name at that point but then I would just go in and adjust the rule and then, you know, all the news comes out great. And then I delete the rule and then I build my lineups from there. So I would uh, just uh, make a rule, uh, pay attention to news and then adjust the rule as the night goes on. And then as more information comes out for your late swaps. All right. Jumping back to discord here. Question from Jay Clement. And question says, Andrew, with baseball coming up, I know earlier in the week you showed how to set a rule to put individual players only in a stack, but is there a way to put all hitters from a specific team into only stacks? I ask because when weather is questionable or risky, I don't mind taking a chance on stacking that team, but don't want any of them as one-offs. Okay, this is a good question. Uh, yes, I believe I do know how to do this. Uh, we, we ran our uh, initial projections for MLB, just so everybody knows, a little announcement here for you guys. Um, we are working on getting some of this out. So if you go to next Thursday, and you have to change the date, right? So I'm changing the date here. It should pull up the main slate once I get to the screen. And boom, we have some initial projections. We don't have ownership. Uh, these projections are subject to change. You know, these are not final, but these are up in the app. It's something we wanted to do, get a... Get, uh, an initial set out for people to start messing around and having some fun here. So what I would do is I would say, okay, let's just pick a team. Uh, we will pick Chicago. 
So we're going to pick the Cubs here. So then let's say, you know, the weather is uh, murky. We're not really sure, you know, if they're going to play or not. Uh, what do we want to do, right? So what I would say is do a group rule. And then I would say if at least one, and then I would check in all of the players that are position players from Chicago. I don't know if you could do this as an automatic rule. We will try, but I did want to try this. I did want to give you guys like the right way to do this or uh, an actual way to do this before we go and mess around with potential ways to do it. So I'm saying if at least one player from Chicago, then use at least three. And then I'm going to say from the same team, basically. And then I'm just going to recheck them all in here. So basically I know if like I have one Chicago player, I have at least four total and then let the builder work from there. So then when I save this, uh, eight players, eight players. Yep. So then when I say this rule, it's going to say, if any of these players ends up in the lineup, I must have at least three other players from the same team in the lineup. And then I would just save that. And then that rule would be active. Uh, let's see if you could do that as an automatic rule. Frankly, I'm not sure. Okay. So if at least one, we're going to group by team and we're going to group all position players. Yeah. So this would work too. Then use at least three on the same team. And then we could group this as a manual rule to see what it looks like. The only problem is that you're going to get a rule for every single team. Um, so you could either pick, you know, do I want to click in all the player names or do I want to unclick all of the other teams that I do not care uh, for here? So, so just a small, small nuance there, but it should basically do exactly what I did. And, and it did. I just left out the one out player. I left out Sia Suzuki, but he, he, he has an out status, but he does have a projection. So it did include him. So it basically did the same exact thing. Uh, the great way about doing it this way is that, you know, uh, you're probably going to want to have that rule for both teams in the game. So then this will automatically create that. And then you just come in here and then you uncheck all of these other teams not in that game. But that is how you would write that rule. I do think that rule makes some sense. And then if the game does get canceled, gives you a lot more optionality as opposed to having some random 3,500 hitter only in like an only in one position slot in a lineup. And then you don't have a lot of other places to go from there. So good question, Jay Clement. All right. Next question from 2G2. Great. Said, thanks like always. Uh, you got through with good knowledge for the app. Uh, do you feel like since there are so many injuries, should you boost projections for the backup players filling in for the starters? I think that's a viable option. I think that, you know, if you want to optimize for late swap, uh, one thing that you can do is say like, hey, you know, I'm going to optimize for a situation where Damian Lillard is indeed out and I'm going to put him to zero, uh, zero projection here. I'm going to boost some of these other guys in, in his stead and just let the builder know like, hey, uh, this is a construction that we might want. So make sure that you build the best pieces around that. The only problem with that is, is, is if he's ultimately ruled in, uh, you might have a hard time swapping this late in the night, depending on how many games are left to be played. So I, I think that that way makes some sense. I think that, you know, if you're trying to maximize 
late swap potential and late swap upside. I, I like that approach. I just think that that approach can leave you um, kind of uh, tweedling your thumbs if if the news doesn't break your way and then you have a bunch of lineups optimized for, for a scenario that never ultimately came to fruition. So be a little careful with it, but I do think that that option has a lot of merit. All right. A lot of good questions today, everybody. Uh, looks like we are all caught up now. Uh, we will be right back on Monday, March 27th for our next show. If you guys are building lineups over the weekend, question pops in your head, drop it in the office hours channel. Let it sit there until Monday. If I see it over the weekend, I'll try and get you guys an answer for all your contests that you're playing over the weekend. But at least that even if I get you an answer, we can circle back to it on Monday, get a, uh, little Q&A out for everybody to hear and hopefully help out somebody else's DFS process. But uh, 2G2Grant said, great, said, thanks, my guy. Thank you guys for answering questions, tuning into the show. Uh, Good luck in all your contests over the weekend. And until Monday, I will see you. Take care.